Welcome to my podcast today. I will try to answer some questions about how coaching works. What is so important about having a coach? That's one of the questions. When is urgent for a person to hire a coach? That's another question. How a coach will benefit a client without advising? From my previous podcast or other sources, you might have learned that coach have many applications. Personal coaching, life coaching, developmental coaching, executive coaching, sport coaching, etc. These are some or just a few of names given to the practice of coaching. Sport coaching is a little different for the rest because it has authority. The agenda or the goal of the coach is the same of the team. Sport coaches teach and give orders and advices and so forth. The other coaches on the other side have no authority over the client, have no agenda, do nothing of the things I mentioned before. The goal is of the client's choice and so is the planning for the process of coaching. The objective dreams, wishes, or reason for hiring a coach varies according to the client interest. If a person feels need for coaching or, you know, just because he wants changing behavior, because I realize that it is conflicting with others, but is having a hard time to find improvement following advice from family, teachers, or co-workers, and friends, hiring a coach should be the better choice. If a sport player is having problems within the teams at home or feel like uh, lack of peace of mind, for instance, perhaps should hire a coach. His team coach has not skilled to handle that kind of situation. If an executive coach is having issues to understand or being understood by the staff or realizes that it's not well accepted by most of the employees, if this executive is not achieving results as forecasted and feel extremely stressed, should hire an executive coach. Some top-level managers think that uh, not being loved by employees is normal. That's okay. These managers believe that the displeasure is expected for the fact that managers look after the whole organization, not for individuals, and they. Their job is designing and enforcing policies that may be unpleasant without concern for acceptance of others. This personal attitude makes most almost impossible for a company to perform at its best. For instance, some company board of directors keep successfully changing executives because they want to improve the results until they realize that they need to hire coaches to help the most capable managers to turn them into leaders. Leaders are successful because they inspire employees and share the vision using management skills to guide their employees to the right destination. And that should be done in a amicable way, friendly way. Leaders understand the value of human factors. They appreciate the value of people that are loyal and are efficient and uh, they know how to communicate. 
Google is now that the company has three main columns. People, being people, employees and customers. Capital and the product. An autocratic manager may achieve the goal of lowering operation costs, but uh, maybe hurt the quality of product that the customer is receiving because the unmotivated or unhappy workers are not doing a good job. The coach has the ability of asking the right questions that make the client to discover the risks and costs of mistakes and the value of changing productivity paradigms. The coach has the tools to identify weaknesses and opportunities that combine with strengths, experience and ability of the client can generate ideas that should direct them to the appropriate amazing productive action. A person may need to hire a coach when he is unsatisfied with the progress in the career. There could be the case that there are many obstacles in the way of a person to achieve their goals or purpose in life, but they just go unnoticed. In this case, you must not listen to family suggestions because consider that most of the comments are, are subjective, are not really accurate. Who makes subjective comments and reality end up being the person being coached. When analyzing their own answers asked by a good coach. To respond to a coach would concentrate enough to provide the best information we have, as opposed to respond to a relative. Okay, let's make sure that you understand that coaching could be also be useful to a very happy person. If a person is emotional balanced and mature, may take great advantage of applying self-coaching to improve in some areas that might feel weak. In one of my previous podcasts, I talk about self-coaching using two acronyms. Many coaches don't like say that this is a possibility for some person to get results because that's the loss of business in some cases. Okay, the acronyms are MULI and POWER. M-U-L-I and P-O-W-E-R. MULI and POWER. The M of Muley stands for motive. The U stands for urgency. The L stands for leverage. And the I stands for important. The power acronym also helps to find questions that make us to think deeply. For instance, P stands for problems, or you can even use for priority. The O stands for opportunities or options, or both. The W stands for work out. Why is a problem? What is, is a problem? E stands for external factors or enemies. R stands for reason or reality. Let's start for asking your question following Mule. Mule. Then, once you're finished with Mule, you got power. Then, what motivates you to self-coaching? The you. What makes it so urgent? The I, is that really important? The I is leverage. It stands for leverage. It'll, uh, if I give it some leverage to your life, then follows the power. Like what is the first priority problem? What options I have? It is 
It's not opportunity. It's not something that is, I have more options. How to work it out? Why is it is a problem and what should they do? What are the external factors? That's where the E. And uh, also, are there spontaneous enemies of my progress? What is the reason of rea or reality of the problem? Is it that something that I'm thinking, I'm just making it up, or is real? What's the reason of it? Before you start, you should take a piece of paper, divide it into vertical columns. In the first column, write down the questions, in the other, the answers. You might think that those acronyms we just talked about are not relevant, but once you start thinking about questions by yourself, it's not easy. So you could use the put the, the those write those acronyms on top of the page. I'm you and power. So you remember what question to ask in what order. The order is not important, but at least to cover all those questions. Read the question and answer after you finish and make any change until you are satisfied. Because when you ask a certain point, then you find that this question was not well structured. So you can ask the question again in another way. When you finish, save it, save it and read again two days later. Write any comments at the end if you have uh, any comments, if you don't, just forget about it. Then read it in the following week, the same day, eight days later. From the answers you may have found things that you want to change, now you will write a project plan. And that project plan is to make the changes that you want to do. Start by writing down the data that you want to start and the data you want to finish because you need to commit to it. Commitment is very important on the, on the plans. For instance, uh, you can say, I will stop criticizing because that was an issue that people told you you had, or maybe you come up with your questions. I won't judge others. I won't take critics personal. Uh, I will start to find the positive side of everything. I will stop postponing action for no reason. I will study one hour every day. I will meditate 15 hours. 15 hours? No, 15 minutes every day. Never 15 hours. I will stop drinking, smoking, stop accepting drugs, fighting for everything for no reason. So forth and so on. If you still want to improve or make changes in your life, but self-conscious did not work for you, then you need to hire a coach. If after three sessions with a coach you do not feel changes, then you need to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. The coach will maybe insinuate that to you. Remember, anxiety, PTSD, ADD, insomnia, addiction, panic attacks, among other brain dysfunctions, maybe you don't recognize them, but they are huge obstacles for a person to voluntarily change behavior. Meditation, psychotherapy, or brain balance with neurofeedback may be needed and advisable. Okay, let's talk about the CEO. What is that makes coaching important for a CEO who is 
CEO is a chief executive officer who is in that position because he or she is competent and know much more than any coach about the particular business. A CEO knows a lot, could be extremely intelligent and smart and maybe super passionate for what he or she does for the company, but also has a human limitation like everybody else. We humans have feelings and emotions that help us to have a good life, but also work as obstacles to perform well. When a person has had physical or emotional traumas in the past, or is passing for a difficult situation, may confront difficulties to concentrate on the attack of the moment. The combination of multiple obligations, for instance, family events or health problems, produce such a load for the brain that the ideas become blurry due to the well-known stress. The best resources available to make ideas clear are not drugs or meds, but coach. A coaching becomes a brain that we share our problem with in order to unload our thoughts that are tangled, so of speak, and uh, untangling them for that help, we pay for the time used, and this is strictly confidential. Even if the client wants to coach to make comments about some moments of the session with family or friends, the coach will refuse to do it. That, that is where I talk about confidential and ethics. The way both brains interact is by means of intelligent questions asked by the coach and honestly answered from the person being coached. The client presents the issues that wants to, to be solved or achieving certain goals, and the coach will address those goals during some questions. The amazing thing is that the person coach calls the client, thinking on the answers may many times find the aha. And these events happen in several times in the process. And the client may many times realize that, that the goal in mind is no longer important. The coaching will keep peeling the onion, like you know, following step by step with questions until exhausting clients' most mental blockages. One or more new goals might have surfaced during the process. At the end of the program, the client will feel empowered and confident to manage whatever comes to his mind, and that will be successful. There are coaches who use simulations formulas to calculate the potential return on investment of having a coach. It is hard to come up with a figure because the benefit of the investment percent way, you know, through life and the relationship with family and relatives and friends improves a lot. There is also an intangible mental health balance. Most coaches also emphasize on anti-stress habits as meditation, being mindful and conscious that the, what has a solution should not produce preoccupation and what has no solution should neither produce preoccupation. Preoccupation produces only stress, not solutions. Living the moment and not procrastinating are also good habits against stress. In conclusion, a coach is a brain for rent to help us to self-teach ways to successfully manage our life with less stress. The value of it is imponderable. 
for some reason, many corporations spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in one coach towards their CEOs. Okay, I could spend many hours talking about this subject, but uh, I do not want to become annoying to you guys. As always, if I today awaken thoughts that need clarification and you have questions, please do not hesitate. And write me an email to rosrod at focusonsolution.com, R-O-S-R-O-D at focusonsolution.com. One solution only, no S. If you want to read about coaching, visit this website, www.focusonsolution.com. Thank you for listening and until next podcast.